Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. If you're looking for a nice tea and deep dive analysis about otaku things, you've come to the right place. We love our conversation and discussion, and we're back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I'm joined by... Hello, I am Isabel, and... This is Agnes. So, without further ado, the Girl Taku today will be about women antagonists in anime. Specifically, we are actually going to do it like a trope dissection, and we are going to look at examples of when women antagonists are written well and women antagonists aren't written very well. The reason why we are approaching this particular topic is that as a whole, uh, women don't usually get portrayed as antagonists, or at least when you just count it up sheer numbers-wise in any sort of movies or uh, shows or anything like that, they tend to fall a lot more in either the protagonist or the supporting character categories. They're never the antagonist of a story. Unless you are the stepmother in a fairy tale, then you will always be the antagonist in a story. But that is like probably one of the sole exceptions. So today's episode is the embodiment is the embodiment of I support women's rights, but I also support but I support women's wrongs as well. And so we want to talk about exactly what are some examples of bad women antagonists written in anime and why they just don't work and why women antagonists do work in certain other situations and explain why these some of these are so much better written than the other ones. So Agnes is kicking us off this week. And in fact, she was pretty excited about this topic. So uh, my first question to you, Agnes, is did you have trouble thinking or drafting up a list of women antagonists? Because at least for me personally, when I was browsing through just anime lists as a whole, once you shave off like the slice of life anime, you know, anime that doesn't really have antagonists per se, simply because of the fact that their conflicts are more inner or they're much more minor. You're not left with a lot of women antagonists to choose from in the characters. And so I'm really curious to hear, like, did you think it was an easy job or was it a little harder for you? It was slightly harder, but I was able to kind of pull through. I think I found more examples of good female antagonists based on all the lists that people have compiled over the years mm. um and less so bad female antagonists and i feel like that's because it's a double-edged blade we'll talk more about that um later on in the podcast about why female antagonists that are portrayed badly is kind of like double-edged because they don't get the same type of treatment as badly done male antagonists that's a good point um, yeah <laughs> so that's that's something that we can cover in a little bit uh so i did struggle a little bit with the bad and then when i realized that when i was flicking through my female antagonist list i'm like oh wait no there are female antagonists that i just don't like them as antagonists because i'm just like yeah your logic is kind of stupid like i don't understand why you're the antagonist but okay mm-hmm. sure let's just go with that so then that becomes more of a person like a character personalization thing rather than an actual female antagonist thing if that makes sense yes it does and so with that being said though considering how we do trope dissections we like to go with one bad example and one good example now i'm really curious to hear what did you end up choosing as your bad example for sure for sure um should we start with the good example or the bad example first oh let's go with the bad ones because i kind of like to sort of layer in to show like and here's how a good one is written and why compared to the bad one okay i'll start off with one that 
both of you have not seen yet. Okay. Um, because I feel like it will help add more antagonists. But I do have a second bad antagonist that I think we've all seen before. That if you guys are stuck because you guys don't have one, we can use this one instead. Okay. Um, so the first one that I want to mention that is a bad female antagonist that I don't think has really great motives, or at least I don't support it and I don't really care much about it, is Prospera from the Gundam Witch from Mercury. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. <laughs> a lot of it from Prospera's point of view is because she's kind of like an egomaniac, okay. which is not my preferred type of character trope. There are very few, like, egomaniacs that do very well as an antagonist role. Like, let's say the Joker from Batman, mm -hmm. right? But Prospera, for some reason, kind of irks me in the way that she's very hoity-toity. I'm doing this for the good of humanity. And I'm just kind of staring at her and I'm like, y you could have done this in a less convoluted way, but okay, sure, ma'am. Um, so I'll let me give you a general rundown from The Gundam Witch for Mercury because I know Gracie hasn't seen it, does not want to watch it uh, because she doesn't like Mecca. And for you, Isabel, I'm pretty sure you haven't watched it, right? No, I have. I'm interested in it, but I, yeah, I just haven't started it. And also it's Mecca, so that's another thing as well. <laughs> Okay, so do you mind if I go into a bit of spoiler territory oh, for this nope, then? that's fine. I'm curious about Prospera because isn't okay. she the mother of one of the characters? Yes. So <laughs> the Gundam Witch from Mercury is a um, it's an original Gundam series. It's very separate from all the timelines. And it essentially is an alternative timeline where you have two factions. You have the Earthians and the Spatians. The Spatians are the higher echelons in society. They are the ones that have created this... Um, this massive trove of mecha science and technology launched it into space and basically created a better life for them out in space while everyone on earth is left to rot in a like toxic barren wasteland of like ruins and there's always this tension between the earthians and the spatians and in the Gundam Witch of Mercury, it is centered around a high school that is built on mechas. So it is meant to um, cultivate the best of mecha pilots. It's meant to cultivate um, all sorts of people who will contribute to the Spatian economy rather than the Earthian economy. Um, so you have all these houses within the school, and one of them is a Spatian. Her name is... Um, Soleta, Soleta Mercury. She hails from the planet of Mercury that was recently colonized, and she carries with her a very strange mecha into this school where they've never seen this mecha before, and it turns out that it is a considered a Gundam, which is an outlawed sort of mecha for Gracie and Isabel's, um, uh, just to make it easier for you guys rather than go into the whole uh, shenanigans of what is right for Gundam, what is wrong for Gundam, but it is a Gundam technology that is currently forbidden in the Spatian uh, world, and there's a lot of controversy about why there's a Gundam at school, and that Gundams are considered like a like kind of like a terrorist machine that should not be uh, it permitted on school grounds as well. So there's a lot of sociopolitics that are going around in Gundam Witch for Mercury, and Prospera is Suleta's mother, or at least it is uh, presumed that she is Suleta's guardian um she treats her like a daughter but throughout both season one and two prospera is a little bit cold towards suleta in the sense that you when you watch their interactions it's not a very loving mother daughter connection or at least even a contentious mother daughter connection but she treats suleta almost like a tool um for her own whims and kind of like 
persuades her into doing things that are not necessarily correct. So, for instance, at the very end of of season one, there is a terrorist attack that is happening on a nearby like space station. Um, and Suleta is there, most of her teammates and her school is on that um, that space station as well, in addition to Prospera. And Prospera tells Suleta that it's basically okay to kill as long as you need it to survive because that incident that happened there was a terrorist attack. And Suleta, emboldened by her mother's words, goes out and starts killing people who are harming her fellow students and her uh, bride, who is Mjornine. Later on in season two, it's revealed that Prospera has been experimenting with the mecha that Ariel pilots, and the there is a lot of um, contention about what happened to Prospera's original child named Eddie. Um, Eddie is uh, a a child that was featured in the prologue part of Gundam from The Witch of Mercury, and was seen 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 singing happy birthday to her father who had gotten blown up by other terrorists and stuff like that and everyone was wondering like where is eddie and it turns out that prospera has sacrificed eddie or some figment of her to the mecca and basically and took her consciousness and put it inside the mecca and so now it becomes a question of why did you do that? And Prospera basically says that it's for the betterment of the world, and she's also banking on the revenge against the people who have wronged her, her daughter, and her husband, who is now dead. That is the biggest spiel of all of Prospera's current development between season one and two, and Prospera in her kind of grand egomaniac schemes kind of comes off as this like conniving woman but you can pretty much see right through her guise and that she's very unstable mentally unfit but she doesn't feel like she is an antagonist that is worth putting up against like you can kind of i feel like you can almost put a bullet through her head and just kind of make the deal done she's dead (laughs) she's that's the antagonist that's it i don't really sympathize for her cause nor do i really feel that she is as fleshed out as some of the other quote-unquote antagonists that have appeared throughout the rest of the series. So I feel that she is, quite frankly, a very boring and bad female antagonist. So I have a question for you. Is Based on what yes. I've seen of reactions towards her, is she seems to be one of those antagonists written for the sole purpose of letting people hate on her. And so yes. do you like... And that kind of okay, I was about to say, like, do you have something against that trope as a whole? Because that is an actual trope that people have used for antagonists. I hate that trope because antagonists in your own real life all have their own personal motives to do things. And that's what makes them human. That's what makes them realistic. And that's what makes them very complex and three-dimensional. But because... Uh, Prospera is written in such a 2D trope-like manner as an egomaniac, you don't really feel anything for her, at least currently in season two. Maybe they will write her better moving forward into the rest of season two, and maybe there's a season three. But currently, her trope as kind of like, oh, I have big ideas that will bring the world to ruin, but that's okay, I'm banking on revenge, is very annoying Mm, to deal with. Okay, and... (laughs) I actually complained a lot to Nico and Medi, and I was just like, I really hate how Prospera is written because Prospera also reminds me a lot about um, the antagonist from Tokyo Ward, the Tokyo 24th Ward, 
where it's about like you know the father had sacrificed oh, his daughter yeah, yeah, yeah. into the grand machine that was at first society. I thought you meant the, the girl and I was like wait she's the victim in all this what are you talking about <laughs> so, no no not the girl yeah. but her father so her father and Prospera very much like have the same shades yeah. as each other and I just really hate that overall that's that's a character trope I hate and it's not gender specific but it's just unfortunate that it's on Prospera as a female it makes her look even worse and doesn't make me want to care that she's a good female how protagonist. do the boys feel about her do they share your opinions or do any of them like her as an antagonist even though she exists to be hated like i think they just heard me rant and then they figured like oh agnes is probably right so they didn't say okay because I, I i'm really curious because i do know it's a kind of um this is a trope where it's sort of like a black and white where you either really like this trope and you genuinely enjoy hating the character for the sake of hating it or um or you hate the trope itself. So uh so I was really curious about that as well. Um and I kind of want to pull you back to something you had mentioned earlier is the fact that, you know, as a whole women antagonists tend to get a lot more flack when they're badly written compared to the men and I was going to say that these sort of like, you know, characters written to just be hated, I definitely don't feel like they get that same vitriol when they are men instead of women. And so, no, absolutely not. A lot of people kind of just hand wave it off and being like, ha ha ha, lamau. Like, let's say, for example, like Show Tucker, or let's say, for example, the, um, a Shinji's dad who tells him to get in the robot. Like, they're all, like, egomaniacs at mm -hmm. some point, right? But everyone's just like, oh, wow, a male antagonist. Okay, they don't even blink twice, but then they look at someone like Prospera, or in worse, like, very controversial is the um, the female antagonist from Shield Hero. Somehow, everybody's eyes turn on them, and they start, like, pouring on this unnecessary hate, when I'm just like, this is a very tropey kind of character that literally has no personality. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Alrighty, so that is an example of a bad, a badly written uh, a fe a female antagonist in your in your opinion. So, what is a good one that it sounds like was relatively easier to pick? I really like Akito Soma. Oh, from okay, okay. <laughs> because she's incredibly toxic. <laughs> you like um, the so messy. Let's, let's talk about <laughs> I do like the messy. I think it's messy. It's fun to watch it messy in terms of like drama and entertainment. And it also brings like that element of realism. Although I do understand like the both of you did have gripes with Akito Soma um, in our in a couple of episodes before because you guys have seen it before. But at the same time, not having a character that is realistic on screen kind of makes kind of under makes the story not as impactful as it could have mm -hmm. been. Right. So if we take it into the context of Akito Soma, if Akito Soma was actually written in a very 2D type of format where she was just like a very tropey antagonist, you know, who gets um, who gets cured by the power of love, which she kind of does, but it's very messy, um, cured by the power of love. And, you know, she's banished from the rest of the world and all the characters are happy. That's a very boring type of story. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so Akito's progression between season one and season three is is wonderful to watch because she's such a powerful um, female antagonist who does everything textbook wrong and evil and cruel. But then there's also a very complicated and complex motive behind it that you can't that you know that some part of you may sympathize with her and then some part of you just outright hates mm -hmm. her as well, which is what is truly like in most situations outside in reality as well, you know, where you will find people that you don't like. You find them as your antagonists, especially females too, because a lot of females are very catty. 
Um, but you also have to realize that there are some parts of it that that tells you why they are the antagonist. They tell they have certain signs, or they had they had to endure certain things in life that made them this way. So that is where it becomes a lot more interesting to analyze and to accept the fact that they are a good female antagonist rather than a very tropey, boring one. So that's at least my argument for Octosoma, at least on a on a surface level without going into too much of the story since we talked about this. So I'm really curious is Isabel, you know, I, I know you, cause my journey was, you know, I was actually quite sympathetic and empathetic towards her as a teenager. And then I started turning against her as an adult where I was more unforgiving towards her, namely because I've had very personal experiences of close friends who got into relationships like with Akito and I'm like I cannot forgive you for the harm you've done to other people I really don't care how badly hurt you were in the past and so um but Isabel you said you'd always disliked Akito so how did you feel about her as an antagonist regardless of whether you liked her or disliked her yeah I think the fact that I disliked her throughout most of the series in my opinion didn't change probably is a good indication that you know she's definitely a good antagonist at least to me because i continuously hate her or like don't forget about her and she's always like the back of my mind obviously um in the series so i think that makes her uh you know a better uh written character than some others and the fact that you know she does evolve throughout this she doesn't stay the same i think the other thing Mm. like that would make me hate her more in 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 the way that i i would just hate her for the sake of hating her was if she didn't grow at all or we didn't know right anything more than that right so that that would probably just um ruin it for me but overall like it's consistent and not only that it develops so that's that's the main thing okay i'm starting to see something is that even though you know on one end we have isabel who's disliked her from the very beginning and then on the other end while agnes doesn't necessarily like her she finds her fascinating it seems like it's the fact that akito is changing throughout the season that keeps it interesting she's not just the static bad guy yeah and i think the other thing that is related to change is that her power waxes and wanes throughout the series she starts off as extraordinarily powerful Mm -hmm. right and then over time her power does start to cripple bit by bit and then she comes to an impasse where she can either continue sticking to her own ways and completely become obsolete or she can learn to change and i think that is a really good turning point for her character development and why she ends up being a very more complex character by the end of season three. So it's definitely the change in the character that really makes her a great female antagonist. I was also going to say even her antagonism is changing throughout the seasons because it's like season one, she's there, but she's just sort of hovering. And that's because she still feels like she has complete control and power over her family. Yes. So she doesn't feel as chaotic or even like, you know, what people would later call her crazy. Like she didn't feel that way at all. In fact, she feels like this cool confidence. But then as she's slowly starting to realize she's losing control, she's losing her hold over this these people that was quote-unquote promised to her to exist and live for her for the rest of her life then she starts becoming a lot more rash and a lot more brutal and there's even in her antagonism she's actively changing throughout the seasons so okay Alrighty then, so I think that wraps up your choices. I'm curious to hear what your other bad one would be if we end up not covering it. So uh, hold on to that, Agnes. But 
I'm going to go ahead and Will move do. on to mine. So, uh, so I've been thinking about this and I also, you know, was thinking about the whole dichotomy between the difference between men antagonists and women antagonists. And I come to, I came to realize there is a particular trope for my personal opinion where I almost always hate the women antagonists, but I don't hate the men antagonists. And that's usually when an antagonist is winning throughout almost the entire series until the very end. And I started digging into exactly why that is. And I realized that when you're making an antagonist win for for majority of the uh, for the majority of the story, you better make sure your antagonist is either extraordinarily charismatic or they have some sort of motivation that you can either completely understand or even potentially support, even if you don't support their actions itself. And I think that motivation and that support and that charisma is oftentimes where the women antagonists are written to fail at and the men antagonists are exceedingly good at and so um and so one of the ones the first ones that came to my mind or specifically when I dived a little further down as to okay so um you know the women antagonists are not written to be as charismatic and I'm like this could be my own personal bias as well you know it's it's a constant thing that you have to monitor yourself on in regards to treating people equally even when you are one of the um you know underprivileged per se so you know we fit in the women category for that matter uh but I think I did find one thing that I can objectively say is different, which is the fact that when women are, when women antagonists are sort of here who are kind of like crazy and winning throughout the entire series, it's almost always it's because of love, like some kind of love. That's why they're so crazy. And Oh, is this? I think I know what show you're talking okay. about now. Uh, hold your thought. It's, we'll see if you guess <laughs> it right. But it's always <laughs> some kind of love. And so while with men, and it's always about some other person, it's never about themselves. While for men antagonists, whenever they are winning for the majority of the series, their motivations are almost never another character. Their motivation is an ideal, a philosophy, a sort of self motivation and that alone (laughs) makes them more charismatic because of that like that their motivation is what makes them more charismatic and so now I'm leading to which uh women antagonist am I talking about and I'm talking about Hayase from To Your Eternity um Oh, never mind. Wrong Who person. <laughs> Wrong series. Then I would. I thought you were going to talk about the the really badly written female antagonist from Babylon. Oh, you know what? She was on my list. She was on my list. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, she has that weird like psycho yes, tendencies yes. as well of like the whole like I'm doing not necessarily I'm doing this for love, but like she keeps winning yeah, each time using love. Um, and and like, I was just like, yeah, I see that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but no. Specifically for me, I and really dislike Hayase as just an antagonist for To Your Eternity. And she spends, like, dis- 
she actually spends most of the series winning. Um, there was only one time where she got, quote unquote, like, you know, she got mauled by a bear. But guess what? She survives and all she got out of it was scars. But she is completely physically fit after that. She is successful in killing two people and almost and then later killing a third person. That's very close to Fushi. She like gets everything according to her plan. She almost um, she almost S.A. him at one point and drugs him and every. And she is just like obsessed with Fushi and just constantly pursuing him. And her motivation at the end of the day was because, and I quote, she is in love with Fushi. I had never been. Oh, no, she's a yandere. Oh, no. (laughs) I had never been so annoyed by a women antagonist before in a, a story that is otherwise supported by other characters I feel deeply about because I'm like. You know, if you're going to make her the antagonist, I think this is one of the most uncharismatic and shallowest thing you could have done to her. You know, heck, I think if you just made her power hungry, that will still give her a little more substance than just the fact that she's so obsessed with Fushi that she wants to quote unquote consume him and then chases him to the ends of the earth and literally is just murdering people left and right to try to get him. It really just makes no sense in the context of the story. And she, like I said, spends the entire series almost winning until the very, very end. And on top of that fact, you know, her only motivation is this love that she claims. And it's just so, it's just so shallow. You know, it feels shallow. You don't understand where she's coming from, why she's like this. She literally met Fushi when Fushi was a dog who could barely learn to talk yet and like barely like new facial expressions. And I'm like, so you're in love with the baby? Is that what you're saying? Like when you met him? Like, is that the whole concept that you're going with? And um, and I just think she was just so badly written in um in regards to her purpose of the story and being Fushi antagonist so um Isabel I'm really curious to know how you feel because I know you watched like some of the anime before you ended up dropping it so uh like how did you feel about her <laughs> oh yeah I even forgot until you mentioned that and, uh, <laughs> that's I how remember... unmemorable she is yeah because okay yeah I agree I was very frustrated with her overall because when I first saw her she seemed like a really strong woman and um I thought she would be pretty significant but when she fell to that I I just like completely lost all faith. I was like, why are you even here? Mm-hmm. Like, the, it, like it just didn't make mm-hmm. sense. And then like, she kept coming back, and, and she then, keeps like, winning she too. Like, that was the other thing. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was like, why is this happening the whole time? And then you know, so it was pretty much like it, like you know, it started off at the top, and it only like went down from for me, um, just because yeah, I felt like she could have been written better, or maybe just like without that, you know, idea of being or having that romantic uh side of her like if she didn't have that then i think she would have been fine but yeah i don't know why that happened it just made it made it worse at least that arc um yeah i just i just just wasn't that interested anymore either oh so she was the reason why you even lost interest in the first place <laughs> yeah because i was so frustrated mm. i'm like i just don't want to see her anymore and then she keeps popping up and it's just like i I think I'm done with this one. What's the next one? Um, instead, I was more interested like with the other stories or like with the grandma yes. and things like mm-hmm. that. I was more interested in that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I just like, it's just terrible. I don't like, they just literally wrote her to be this 
um, obstacle to Fushi, but I'm like, naturally, he already has so many obstacles as this evolving being who is learning about humanity. Like, she is just so utterly unnecessary. And then add in a complete dose of like a negative charisma, <laughs> like negative points and charisma. Negative charisma. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, it's just like, it's unbearable. And then you make her keep winning. And so. Um, and so I just think she's such a terribly written antagonist. I don't know if you got to that part at all, Agnes, in the manga. Or no, I okay. did not. So I, I, I am glad that I didn't pick it back up, <laughs> kind of, because I probably would have hated her too. Yeah, no, she. I just, I just don't understand her at all. But on the flip side, I do want to talk about an, a woman antagonist who was winning for the majority of the series, and believe it or not, her motivation was love for another character that I think did an excellent job. And I and actually the majority of anime community people agree because they were actively rooting for her when they were watching this show. But it is Altair from Recreators. Oh, Altair is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been able to finish Recreators yet because it kind of I, it kind of fell off the radar for me for a while. But Altair is very cool. <laughs> I loved her intro in the first in the first episode. Mm-hmm. What about you, Isabel? Have you seen Recreators? I haven't, so please tell okay, me more. Okay, so Altair is the ultimate antagonist in Recreators. So in Recreators, it's more of like a reverse isekai. So instead of, you know, um, you know, our, our uh, protagonist reincarnating into like a fantasy world, it's actually the iconic characters from stories and anime and manga and light novels and novels and games got pulled into our world, into Earth instead. And so Altair is the one who is pulling them into our world. And at the very beginning, people don't really know why she's doing it or or who she even is because they're like, she does not come from a source material. Like all the other anime characters or all the other characters in that anime does, she's the only one who does it. And she spends basically the entire two core dominating the protagonist absolutely and utterly dominating and like decimating them all the way until the very end and the only reason why she lost was because she folded and because of her motivation that she folded and so um so here's why Altair works so well so first of all um it's her origin we find out that Altair is essentially a um is essentially fan art or um or this o- or this OC character that has inspired a lot of other creators to draw her and use her as references. And so part of the reason why she keeps winning and thus why she is so overpowered is that the concept of each of the character's powers is how it relates to their source material and story. So Celestia, who is one of the main characters, um, and she's also a protagonist from um, from a anime series that she got pulled into our world. Her powers are cons- um, are limited by her source materials rules. And so she's only capable of fighting A, B, and C ways because that's the way her world is written, her character is written. But Altair being a uh, uh, being a symbol of basically a conglomerate of uh, content creators, just giving her different uniforms, giving her different powers, animating her in different ways, basically has almost limitless powers because of that, because she's created by the general public versus a very contained story. 
And that by itself is already interesting as to why she keeps winning and why she's so much more powerful than the other characters. It makes logical sense. And it's fascinating (laughs) that it makes logical sense. And so... Um, and so, like, from the very start, she's already better. But like I had said, I I chose Altair on purpose because her motivation is also about love. She is doing it for the love of someone. And what we find out as the series continues is that she used her original creation. So her original creator, her quote unquote God, was a girl who was drawing, originally drawing fan art and then got big her one of her art artworks got viral and then started to get get a lot of hate from other people and then eventually someone hosted a hate campaign against her that was so terrible and toxic and just um vicious that the artist ended up um you know she she offed herself to put simply and so after that fact you know several uh, like one or two years pass and people and so her OC art of Altair is just floating there on the internet but people have already forgotten the original creator and why the original creator isn't living with the rest of us anymore and got picked up by all these other artists and um and started making all these different art of her and that pisses Altair off really badly because she was like how convenient of you guys to love me after enough time passes where you guys have forgotten the fact that the very reason I exist you guys destroyed her it was all your fault and now you love me because the guilt is gone because it's been a few years and you're allowed to forgive yourself for how you contributed to your bullying tactics that led ultimately to her um that led ultimately to her death and now you're like you know loving me quote you're quote unquote loving me and she basically swears vengeance on the entire uh, country so not the world but the entire country of japan because of that and that sort of motivation is so complex but real and understandable that sort of like hatred that sort of um you know like you know it's just it's frustrating you know and you completely understand her point of view which is why even after the reveal every the viewers were more on Altair's side or at the very least empathizing with why she was doing what she was doing versus even the protagonists themselves even though the protagonists are literally just trying to save a country here and so um it it, the 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 difference in writing is insane between these two women antagonists, even though at their core base, they are antagonists who keep winning throughout the story and whose entire motivation is motivated by love for another person. And yet one clearly succeeds head and shoulders above the others. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Like, or am I just alone in this? <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, so that is Altair and what I think is an incredibly written uh, women antagonist. I I know you didn't get that far, Agnes, but it sounded like you still liked her regardless. <laughs> oh hell yeah, the way that you the all the motivations that you were describing her, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I I would I would burn a country if I had if my creator had to go through something like that, and you just want to have you just want to deal retribution to everybody else. Mm-hmm. 
and also like but then eventually but then like they love you like once the time of mourning has passed you know like they hated you when you were created because they hated her and then they got rid of her and then they're like oops I made an oopsie and then two years later they're like okay it's been enough time I actually love this character after I'm gonna claim her as my own like it's (laughs) it's infuriating so so yeah I hope I've like pitched my point to you Isabel as you can see how passionately I've been ranting about it I know I'm very surprised by your passion. I feel like I have to watch it to know more about this character, really. She has a really cool skill set, too. I really like her powers. It's very unique and it's very cool. Yeah. And all I was going to ask, did you like the logic in the anime as to why she has so much power? At least I really like that reasoning. The fact that the uh, characters are constrained to their stories, but because she's created by the group of like just people, they can add whatever they want to her is essentially what it is. (laughs) I definitely love that concept because that is a very real thing that happens in a lot of art- artist Twitter circles, um, especially if, if you are designing an OC for a particular series or you're just creating your own OCs for your own world, that you will always get vitriol from people who hate your stuff. You always get people who will use your stuff mm-hmm. and you always have people who will capitalize on your stuff. Let's look at AI art, for mm-hmm. example, right? Yeah, very, very controversial right now. And... The artists themselves, they don't have any kind of autonomy, unfortunately, because they're so small and helpless. They don't have resources. They don't have HR management. They don't have any means of protecting themselves against basically cyberbullying. And having a character who essentially kind of like deals out the justice for them in their stead, and in addition to that, point out the hypocrisy behind uh, fan art, and the community that surrounds it is very realistic and very astonishing to see in an anime rather than it kind of being just kind of brushed under the rug because people still do that mm-hmm. right now. I would also like to note that it's, you know, Agnes mentioned it's reflective of the creative communities. Uh, with people who are in the creative communities, I've seen a lot of just stories where the envy is very real in that community. Yes. And the way yes. that they will talk, like, you know, criticize you for your work, but then like use your own work to reference and uh, like inspire their own. It's yep. the hypocrisy yep. is everywhere, according to them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's horrifying to watch a lot of these artists just fold due to all the cyberbullying and these people being toxic and critical. And you're just like, what was the point of doing this if you just want people's art to just flourish and people just want to share with people? what they like and what they don't like, you know? So that always makes me pissed off. I would I would be very pissed off as much as Altair. I probably wouldn't be as calculating as she was, but I, I would be as pissed off. <laughs> that's too, because so you're the, not even take names, you're the kick-ass person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Go in brain empty, don't even use words, just kick-ass. <laughs> we discussed this yesterday on a, on a call. Yes, while Altair very meticulously had been planning this whole thing, but... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she's she's a strategist down to the core. Yeah, but it's just like, you know, everything about her works from the reason why her powers are so powerful to the anger she feels towards people uh, to just like her overall, even her overall relationship with her creator because she was the last uh, OC original character her creator made. And she was, she actually represented her, a creator's last hope, like last hope to reach out and see if her art 
does have people who would love her instead of hate her or cyber bully her or go after her and it ultimately failed and so it, it even her relationship with her creator as to why she loves her creator so much it, it just it's very heart-wrenching and it makes a lot of sense and it's like a yeah it's just an incredibly well-written women antagonist in a series with shades of every with the bear with the base core line with the base core basically being exactly the same as Hayase but one just utterly failing like not even coming close and then the other one just soaring to the sky so um so yes that is my spiel comparing the two women antagonists of the good and bad uh alrighty so Isabel um I'm sure you've just been patiently waiting while I've been ranting <laughs> so um what was uh first question did you have any trouble picking your women antagonists yes or no uh yeah I would say so because uh when I thought of women antagonists I kind of wanted to think of you know uh like a main antagonist and unfortunately in most series it is male um it's very rare that it's it is a female and if it is a female they maybe are strong, but they're kind of like a side character at that point. So, yes, they are antagonists, but they don't feel like a real antagonist. Yes, to me. I agree. <laughs> yeah, so that was basically it. Um, and so the the bad example I want to go with, I, we actually mentioned it earlier because I was surprised that it was on your list too. But it is I Magase from Babylon. Oh no, you watch? Uh, let's talk about you watch that show. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Yes, we watched the show. We even had a podcast on it back in the day when we started our yes! anime trending podcast. I don't know if I you remember, remember, but you, me, and James talked I, about I this show. I think I just erased all my memories related to the show because I hated it so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's one of yeah, it's one of our earlier podcasts. Okay, mm -hmm. please share with the world why it sucks so bad. <laughs> I think I think the character eye is probably the reason why Babylon was not was not the anime that we all thought it was going to be um i think it start the anime starts off seeming kind of like psychopaths kind of like that philosophical mm -hmm. um idea of um basically you know talking about committing suicide and if you know if murdering people is a good thing or not so kind of like that questioning that thing and and so our main character, Zen, who is a prosecutor, is just trying to investigate why these people are suddenly committing suicide in Babylon. And Babylon's kind of like based in Japan, so it's kind of like based in reality, uh, even though it's, you know, it's not exactly, you know, present day, but it's like some type of Japan. And so the thing that I just hated about Ailey, at first I thought she was an interesting character because she was able to get these people to... Um, to basically end their lives and think and then these people thought of it as a good idea and so we're at least the first few episodes i was strung along thinking that she was doing it in some way like with drugs or something with that um but it turned out that her the way that she was able to get these people uh to do the things that she wanted was that she basically had this like super power mm -hmm. kind of to just whisper and <laughs> uh -huh. in their ears <laughs> Let me whisper and then, in your ear. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Quite literally. And it's like, okay, this, you know, this series that's supposed to be like based in almost reality and somewhat believable becomes totally unbelievable because of this one thing. 
And so everything that she says after kind of like toying with Zen, like, um, you know, like you can't catch me or things like that. And not only that, she has the ability to kind of like, it's not shape-shifting, but she's able to like take on very different personalities um, with her, you know, with different outfits and looking like different people. And, and this is how she basically changes her appearance in order to whisper to people. And not only that, the, the number of people that um, jump off buildings gets larger and larger. Like it start off, starts off with, you know, 20 people, then multiplies to like 60 to 200 people, which makes, which made it more unbelievable for me. And then ultimately made me drop the series uh, towards the end, just because I didn't, I couldn't understand where I was coming from as a villain, um, an antagonist. So even though I really, I, I actually really like Zen as the main character because he was trying to figure out everything. It felt like one of those typical like mystery crime dramas or something like that, but just like her characterization and how she's able to do this that felt kind of magical in a sense just didn't make any sense to me and then not only that like her questioning like I think she would say to Zen like is being evil like really really bad is it bad to be evil I was like I can't understand like how do you argue against that it's <laughs> bad but like no she like keeps asking the same question over and over again um but yeah those are my initial thoughts uh I know you've seen it for sure, Gracie. What did I'm you just going to read a section of my review that I wrote for Babylon. Oh, okay. Oh my god. I, like, I Magasi, on the other hand, ends up as nothing more than a joke. Her only defining feature is that she's so incredibly sexy. Everyone wants to have sex with her and willing to do whatever she says in return. The philosophical reasoning she tries to tie Zen up with good versus evil ends in the least profound way I've ever seen. To end is bad to continue is good that is the essence of good versus evil the end i by the way the to end is bad to continue is good is a quote from the anime i i did not make that up that is word for word dialogue from the anime <laughs> oh my god astonishing <laughs> it was so bad how do we even hold on to that as well <laughs> i have no idea it, it started off well and it tricked us and then yeah did you end up finishing it as well? Because, yeah, because I, I did, I did end up finishing it. Another thing they never explained either is that, like, is that basically she, um, is that Zen's unaffected by her when, like, she whispers to him. And I'm just like, why? Like, like why is he the only one unaffected? There's nothing, like, going on with him. You guys don't want to try to explain that either. Um, and then the other thing that I couldn't help thinking of because of who I am is I'm just like, well, what if, you're just not attracted to women. Like, what if that, like, does, does that mean her power wouldn't work? Like, I'm like, what about that? And so it's just. The power of the gay <laughs> is what saves lives. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, um, I don't think gay men are going to be falling for that. Like, like uh, I, I don't seem, I, I seem to find a huge plot hole that no one is covering for that matter. And it's bothering me a lot. And so, um. It's ugh, it was just so badly written. I honestly don't even know what they were trying to accomplish with their character. Like, is it just is it just that she's so hot that everyone can't help but listen to her? Or are they trying to say that she's literally a demon? Like, I it's just it, like I feel like I don't even understand the purpose of her being there in the writing. Like, can you even come up with an idea? So I, I was reading through a bit of the wiki while you guys are talking about it, and 
Japan has this weird obsession about tying in good and evil in like a biblical sense for a lot of their plot theories and philosophical jargon. Apparently, if you look at the names between Zen and I, like Zen, Zen Shizaki is like very, like Zen is like peacefulness, right? right? And there's like that sense of justice that mm-hmm. comes with it. I Magase apparently is supposed to represent, and I quote, do not, do not like, do not yell at me for this because I'm just like, I don't even understand it myself. She's supposed to represent the whore of Babylon from the book of Revelations. Who was essentially a paragon of evil. Oh! Uh, well, they did a terrible job of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I was reading that, I was like, what? What the fuck is this? And I'm just like, why did they bring religion into this? Like, what? <laughs> like, it's, such, it's so poorly written for a plot that was supposed to feel very psychopath-like that they just did not execute it right at all. And I was horribly done. <laughs> Wow, like I, I have no words. That's terrible. <laughs> exactly. That's that's what I said. I was like, don't don't look at me. Look at the wiki. The wiki is what tells the truth. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm happy to tell you, Agnes, that you've been spared on this show. Yes. Well, Isabel and I had to suffer through it. When did you drop it, by the way? <laughs> me? I think I dropped it like halfway through the. You watched half of it. <laughs> <laughs> I can barely hear you as you're like freaking oh, out. Are I didn't you okay? know you watched half of it. I thought you just didn't even pick it up. <laughs> no, I watched like half of it because it did look like very um, alluring in the sense that it was like a, a dark noir type of thing with like a very sexy like femme fatale. And I'm like, okay, let's see how it goes with this. And afterwards, like, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have good vibes about the rest of this. All she just wants is sex. And everyone feels like they want to, quote unquote, like, rape her in her presence. And I'm like, okay, this is enough for me. And I just stop watching <laughs> okay. it. Um, I guess, Isabel, did you hold on a little longer and suffered more? or? <laughs> I think I suffered a little. I've made it to probably, like, episode seven or something. So I was almost towards the end. But, yeah, didn't, didn't quite get there. <laughs> Yeah, it was like the the upper half of the the middle sections so of probably like four or five for me. Well, I suffered the most because I watched all thirteen. So yes, will be you, Gracie. Will be you. <laughs> At least you have compatriots. You have Isabel. And you have James. I think did James. No, watch I don't the think he thing? did either. I mean, I hope not because that's a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Why do you put yourself through these things, Gracie? I, Why? Like... I don't know. I don't have a good answer. <laughs> I just... I keep thinking to myself, like, where are they going with this? Even as it got worse and worse, I was just like, where are they going with this? And the answer was nowhere. It, they went nowhere with it. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Cleanse Our Soul, Isabel, which uh, women antagonist would you like to talk about that is a well-written character? And, like, definitely better than I, for that matter. <laughs> Yeah, the one I want to go with with the better written character, I technically, it's it's from Parasite, and is it her? I guess her name is Reiko. Is the character's name that takes <gasps> over? Because, is is she the one with like the baby? Uh, yeah, oh, the one with the she's baby. good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Continue. Yeah, so she's kind of like the leader mm-hmm. of the parasites um, in Parasite, and then so when she takes over the the body um it's actually the main character's teacher 
But then as a parasite, she's actually very curious about how humans and parasites interact, which is why she ended up with the baby is the fact that she she mated with another parasite, Mr. A, and wanted to test if, you know, if two parasites that took took over human bodies um, uh, had a baby, uh, if they the baby would be normal, which um, which I thought was interesting because a lot of the parasites just wanted to take over and, you know, just 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 live as they can as the way that they're supposed to as parasites. Uh, but I thought that she was an interesting character and she was also very scary to me just because she, like she knew that um, the main character also had Nigi uh, with him. And so he, she just let him live. Like she could have just killed him almost like at any point during the series if she wanted to. But she just decided to let him live just because she just wanted to know what would happen. Um, and then also when uh, she gave birth to uh, the baby, um, she also started developing kind of these feelings, uh, kind of these motherly feelings uh, for the child and wanting to protect it as well. So I thought like, you know, as an antagonist of the series, I thought um, she was real well written just because she didn't, she wasn't like pure evil, but she also had her reasonings for that and also developed uh, towards the end um, in trying to protect her baby. Um, and, you know, out of all the other parasites that you see in, in the series in general, I think she was the most interesting. And I think at some point even, you know, uh, she was annoyed by other parasites who didn't have a brain and didn't want to think about things um, like she did just because she was pretty, pretty intelligent overall. Um, but yeah, I, do you remember her, Gracie? Like, what did you think about her as a character? I loved her character. <laughs> I thought she was so complex in like the best ways and the worst ways because you're right she is terrifying but in a way that's so soft do you know what i mean like oh yeah yeah mm -hmm. like a terrifying soft sort of way that is really hard to come through in character but it came through with her very successfully and i just thought she was a fascinating and complex character as a whole because it's just because it's like for Parasite, you know, they're literal, they're called parasites because they are literally parasites and how parasites live and reproduce is literally taking advantage of a host and oftentimes destroying the host along the way. But the most important part is um, leaving behind reproduction so that their genetics can continue. And so it's like even her coldness towards um, towards humans at the beginning is almost like scientific just because of what we know of how parasites actually work. But I but it really shows her complexity to grow beyond that and be like, this is interesting. You know, these are very complex creatures that we've taken over. How does this thing work? And slowly figuring that out and coming to their viewpoint and understanding it and then having more questions herself and stuff. And I mean, as a whole, I just thought she was an incredible character. I like I didn't even care that she was an antagonist. She's like one of those antagonists that I love because I think she's so interesting and she's just such a force to be reckoned with. Like her entire presence is like you feel it through the screen and it's very effective and showing that as well. And and also I um and the way that her arc ended, I thought was very impactful and very important. Actually, it was even impactful to the main character because the main character had like gone through so much by that point that he 
is starting to feel numb to his emotions, as many people who's gone through intensive um, consecutive trauma will often feel is when their emotions start to feel numb. And it's specifically with her that his emotions kind of reawaken again and re-trigger. And it was relieving for him to realize that he still has it in him to feel things. when, um, And it was all because of her as well, just by her presence and load and her character arc and like who she is and who she wants to be so um yeah i i love her i think she's an incredibly written women antagonist that's an excellent choice isabel <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah her influence throughout the series was pretty crazy agnes did you see uh parasite at all or what did you think about her if you did uh, i didn't actually watch most of parasite i only watched a little bit at the beginning so i don't have that much context of parasite but reading a little bit of the wiki and then hearing you guys talk about it makes it seem very promising. So I might go back and actually watch it. It's a it. good show. Oh, yeah. It's a yeah, it's a good show. Yeah, definitely. Like before the Korean movie Parasite came out, actually my my coworker was like, "Oh, have you seen Parasite? Like the Korean movie?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I've seen Parasite the anime. It's a great anime. You should totally watch." It. <laughs> <laughs> what did she say like, to that? <laughs> Uh, well, he didn't realize that I was talking about something else, so he just thought I had already watched it. Oh, so you reality, guys both were like, oh, he un- oh, like, no. got it. It's what it is. <laughs> I That's cried. pretty funny, actually. <laughs> what about Reiko most of all stands out to you as a woman antagonist? Is that that intelligence or, um, you know, is it that presence? Like, what would you say is her, um, you know, leading sort of trait that works so well for her? Yeah, I think the th- trait that works so well is exactly kind of what you mentioned, kind of like that soft um, antagonist um, feeling or kind of like um, being a villain, but not like crazy, like as crazy as I that we talked about, mm. but like kind of still like based on what she can do and her amount of knowledge. Um, I thought that was um, kind of like the the trait that she had that many other characters could have one or the other, but um, she definitely has more. So I think that's why she definitely worked better and was more likable and also a lot more believable in a sense as well Mm -hmm. um, compared to other characters. Mm -hmm. Interesting how you don't have to make a character, uh, especially a women character, like very physically violent to make her presence Mm -hmm. felt and her danger felt because that's exactly what Reiko was like. So (laughs) yeah, exactly. You don't have to make her super sexy either. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. And what's funny is I think she's like, like, I even thought to myself when I was watching this anime, I was like, oh, she's a pretty, like, character. Like, it's funny because it's like, she's not meant to be, but because of the way she's portrayed, you can't help but be like, oh, she's alluring. So, um, Mm -hmm. look what Mm -hmm. happens when you do good writing, guys. (laughs) It does the work for you at the end. Alrighty then, so I think that wraps up our segment of our women antagonists, the good and the bad. What was, did it end up getting taken at all, Agnes? It doesn't sound like it did, your first choice. For, oh yeah, no, it was for the bad ones, I had Miranjo and Rika from Inspector. Oh! Miranjo from Ranking of Kings and Rika from Inspector. Oh, that's okay. interesting. Okay, I could see why you picked them though. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't talk about it any longer because we've run out of time. But 
totally understand why you picked them up. So uh, thank you for everyone for listening to us discuss this particular topic today. I hope you enjoyed it as per usual. And, you know, let us know once more uh, what are your picks for excellent women antagonists and ones that you thought were very poorly written. And you can even, you know, let us know if it you think it has to do with gender, kind of like how... Um, Kind of like how Agnes pointed out with, you know, when it's men antagonists who are written to just be hated, they don't seem to get as much flack as women antagonists. And so I'm really curious to, curious to hear your thoughts about that matter as well. So th- once again, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, next week we'll be back with another fun topic. So I hope you'll be here next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye.